The movie Back to the Future was released in 1985, and it turned 30 just last summer. Wow, where did all these years go? Now for a moment, imagine being back in time and find ourselves in the middle of a spelling bee. And the word we need to spell is lectionary. L-E-C-T-I-O-N-A-R-Y. Lectionary. Of all the people I've asked in the last few weeks, if they knew the meaning of the word lectionary, only a few did. Most people did not. And honestly, up to just a few months ago, I wouldn't have known what that word meant either. Now, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, a lectionary is a book or list of lections for the church year. More freely translated, it's a list of readings from Scripture each week of the year. Now, the practice of reading appointed Scripture on certain days or occasions dates back to the time of Moses. And at that time, it was made up of Torah readings. And later, passages were added from the books of Kings and Chronicles and then of the prophets. And in Luke 4.16, we read about Jesus in the synagogue, reading from the book of Isaiah. Now, in the early church, the practice of reading from pre-assigned Bible verses evidently was inherited from Judaism. In the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam hangs a Rembrandt painting dating back to 1630, portraying the mother of Rembrandt reading a lectionary. Now, the lectionary that we know today, and that is in place today, is referred to as the RCL, the Revised Common Lectionary, and is used in most Protestant churches. But it's based on the Catholic lectionary. But it's universally used around the world, using verses, as we just heard, from the Old Testament, from Psalms, an epistle, and from the Gospel reading, which we'll be doing in a little bit. Now, it runs on a three-year cycle, alternating between the Gospels of Matthew and Mark and Luke. We just finished the year of Mark, two months ago. And 2016 is the year of Luke, starting at Advent. Now, you may ask, what's the relevance of all this? Well, four weeks ago, I did a sermon. And for that week... The lectionary included Luke 3 and 7 I. Now, my choice on the sermon, as you may remember last time, fell on 7 I. Now, the lectionary for this particular Sunday again includes Luke 3 15 through 22. And a good portion of what we're reading today was the same we did four weeks ago. Now, not being too familiar with these lectionaries, it seems striking 
that that same scripture passage repeats itself four weeks later. And I guess it is time to pay attention to today's reading of Luke and examine in more detail. Well, let's start reading Luke 3.15. Turn your Bible to page 60 in the New Testament. Verse 15. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong on his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then we move on to verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in a bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Word of the Lord. Well, since this is the uh, year of Luke, let's take a peek at this historic writing. The Gospel of Luke is the longest of the four Gospels in the Bible, counting 30 pages. Now, Mark and John start with the baptism of Jesus. But Matthew and Luke take us all the way back to the birth of the Messiah. And as a matter of fact, Luke, however, takes us in even greater detail. Now, I suppose this makes sense. Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. And he walks us step by step through the conception and birth, not only of Jesus, but also of John the Baptist. Luke describes the life of Jesus up to the age of 12. And then there is a long period where there is no account of Jesus. What he did, where he lived, and then the story continues in Luke 3. And in verse 23 it says, Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his work. Well, this leaves us with much speculation. What Jesus did and where he was for 18 years. Now for a moment, let's go to London, England. Where every summer, people from all over the world come to attend this classical festival called the Proms. And at the conclusion of this festival, during the famous last night of the Proms, in early September, the Royal Albert Hall is filled to capacity. And there are an additional 100,000 people outside in Hyde Park. Now that last night concludes 
with the crowd singing and joining the orchestra, singing songs including God Save the Queen and a hymn called Jerusalem, written by William Blake. Now, at some point, check out YouTube and search Last Night of the Proms slash Jerusalem. And you'll see this crowd of over 100,000 people sing along the song Jerusalem. This hymn is a staple in church hymnals throughout England. And lacking an official national anthem, this song has become the anthem of choice sung at rugby, rugby games all over England. As a matter of fact, I checked with one of our bulb suppliers. He has a salesman. They have a salesman who is an Englishman. And I checked with him on Jerusalem. And, and he, he teared up and he shared with me that they sang that song, that hymn, during his dad's funeral. He should, just shared with, that with me this morning. Now, what is it exactly what these folks are singing at the top of their lungs when you check the YouTube clip? And did those feet in ancient time walk on England's mountain green? And was the holy Lamb of God on England's pleasant pasture seen. Now wait a minute. The Holy Lamb of God on England's pasture seen? Are these Englishmen suggesting that Jesus spent time in England? Well, I suppose they are. This is where the speculation of that 18-year gap in the Bible of the whereabouts of Jesus comes into the picture. Now, England was a major source of tin during the Roman Empire in the days of Jesus and the abandoned tin mines in southwest England are still evident today. Now, English folklore has it that Joseph of Arimathea, the uncle of Jesus, was a wealthy tin merchant and would travel to England to make tin trades. Legend has it that on one of those trips, he took along his nephew, Jesus, the son of Mary. Now, neither John or Mark or Matthew or Luke could tell us what happened during those 18 years. And we will never know for sure. But what we do know is what happened when Jesus was 30 years of age back in the land of Israel. His cousin, John the Baptist, was only six months older than Jesus, born as an only child to Zacharias and Elizabeth. John provides an integral part to the launch of Jesus' public ministry. John was a teacher and a prophet, and he had a following of Israelites, hungry and thirsty and anxious for the anticipated arrival of the Messiah. Now John received the word of God in the wilderness, and he was commissioned to spread the message of repentance and love of others 
by sharing with the less fortunate in society. The place where he baptized was the exactly same location where Joshua had led the people of Israel through the Jordan into the Promised Land 1400 years earlier, after spending 40 years in the wilderness. Now Isaiah had prophesied in Isaiah 40 verse 3, clear the way of the Lord in the wilderness, make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Four centuries later, Malachi foretold in Malachi 3.1, Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. Uh, with the BCS championship game tomorrow night between Clemson and Alabama, and NFL playoff games happening all weekend, America is still in the spirit of football. Now, speaking of football, one of the key positions is the running back. But this star player carrying the ball depends heavily on a skilled and strong fallback. The fallback is the lead blocker with his amazing strength, clears the way, and makes a clean path for the running back. So it was with John the Baptist, who was the one clearing the way for our Lord Jesus, as had been predicted in Malachi 3.1. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the message of the covenant, in whom you delight, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming. Now John said in verse 16, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. Baptizing with water, he picks washing clean of things on the outside. It implies the repentance of sins. Now Jesus baptized with the Holy Spirit, depicting cleansing and purifying of the heart. Like a fire purging the rubbish from within. And like a hot fire that can melt metal, so does the fire of the Spirit have the ability to cast things into a new mold. In other words, the Holy Spirit has the power of transformation. Now John could only promise the folks in the Jordan being baptized that they would be safe. But Jesus has the ability to make that happen and turn this into a reality. Our Lord and our Savior. In verse 17, it said, His winnowing fork is in His hand to clear His threshing floor and to gather the wheat into His granary. But the chaff will burn with unquenchable fire. The wheat and the chaff are not neatly separated in distinct little piles. The Lord, with his winnowing fork, does the separating. Picking the good from the bad is something that flower farmers are used to. We see some pink flowers in front of us here. The Latin name for this flower is Mateola incana. 
And most people call it stock. Kind of a weird name, but that's what it's called. Now, these flowers are directly seeded in the field. 50% of the flowers come up making stems for single flowers that are absolutely worthless. The other 50% of the, the stems coming up make these beautiful double flowers, as we see in the vase here today. So the flower farmer only picks the double ones and leaves all the stems, the 50% with the single flowers, leaves them in the field. And they become compost. They become green feed for the next crop. So it is with the wheat in the field. He will, he will gather the wheat in a grain shed, but the chaff will burn with unquenchable fire. Folks, this sounds like the ultimate vivid description of hell. Now he will gather his believers and prepare them from the kingdom of heaven, the promise of eternal life. Then we read in verse 21, now when all the people were baptized and Jesus had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in a bodily form like a dove. And a voice came down from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. Can you imagine what the crowd must have felt like when that happened? Complete astonishment. Here indeed was the Son of God. Now the other bunch of flowers we have here in front of us is called Onitogalum Dubium. That's the Latin name. Some people call them Star of Bethlehem. Well, these flowers come in, uh, in orange, as we have them here today, or in white, or in yellow. And these flowers are grown in Israel. Now, Israel is the main producer of ornithogalum flowers, but also of ornithogalum bulbs. And they're exported all over the world. Now, we grow these particular flowers at our Oxnard farm, and we purchase the bulbs from Israel. Now, a few years ago, uh, my wife and I had the great fortune to visit a bulb supplier in Israel and check the bulb production and look at some new varieties. And, uh, and, but then we also took a few days to do some sightseeing, including a trip to the northern part of Israel. And we saw some sites like Mount Tabor, the mountain of transfiguration. We went to Nazareth. We, visited, we went by the site of the wedding of Cana and Capernaum and, of course, the Sea of Galilee. Now, it's called the Sea of Galilee, but in reality, it is just a mid-sized lake. But it drains into the Jordan River. And the two of us took a moment to stop at one of those sites at the Jordan River where a lot of people are being baptized today. And what a sight to witness that Jordan River, the river that is so deeply rooted in Jewish history, from Genesis to Deuteronomy and Joshua and Micah. There are so many references in the Bible to this river. The eastern border delineates 
the prom promised land. This is the river where Jesus was baptized. The place where history changed forever. Well, the baptism of Jesus simultaneously marked the inauguration of Jesus' early ministry that lasted for a little over three years. Now Luke describes what immediately happened after Jesus being baptized. And Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness. And while being hungry and thirsty, the devil tempted Jesus three times. He overcame these temptations with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now Satan is wielding his powers today in our world. All around us. Look around us. The forces of evil are everywhere. Now in a few minutes, we will sing the famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Martin Luther wrote this hymn in 1529. This hymn is the ultimate battle song of good against evil. The last verse depicts the word of God above above all earthly powers. The Holy Spirit and God's gifts are with us, and He is on our side, and His kingdom is forever. Ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus like a fresh spring. It provides water to all those who believe. John writes in John 7:37 Jesus stood and cried out saying If anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink He who believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water Then he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit whom those believing in him would Receive. Folks, the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit came down and landed like a dove. And the Spirit stayed with Jesus for the three years of his ministry. This is the Holy Spirit that gave Jesus the strength and the perseverance in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. The spirit that gave Jesus the wit and the wisdom to rebuke Satan. The Holy Spirit provided Jesus and later the disciples, as described in Acts, with the amazing ability to perform miracles. The Holy Spirit was there on Mount Tabor, the mountain of transfiguration, with Jesus and Moses and Elijah. The resurrection could not have happened without the power of the Holy Spirit. After the resurrection, Jesus walked the earth for 40 more days before ascending to heaven. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit poured out all over the world, all over the earth, on the day of Pentecost. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the mighty fortress that is our God. The Holy Spirit is here. It is a gift that was given 2,000 years ago to all those that believe. Let our hearts be opened 
and let the Holy Spirit of God live among the people. Let the fire burn and cleanse our hearts and transform us and let the Spirit live in our soul forever. Let us be like that beautiful flower bringing joy to others. Thirst for Jesus. Believe in Him. Let the fresh waters from the spring flow and quench our thirst. Put your trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and the Holy Spirit will lead us on the pathway to eternal life, the narrow road to the kingdom of God. Amen.